We're looking at two passages today, the 130th Song of the Psalter and Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2. Beautiful, worshipful music today. If you turn to Psalm 130, and then just a few moments, we'll move over to the Lucan Gospel, Chapter 2. I've never been given an award for patience. If I possess any virtues, the ability to wait is not listed among them. It all started back when I was a child and my family decided to go to Disney World, the Magic Kingdom. Now, way back in the ages before even VCRs, about three times a year, my family would do the naughty thing and skip Sunday night church, and we would visit my grandparents and watch the Walt Disney Show. The show's opening tag showed visions of the kingdom. What a wonderful place it promised to be. Even the bushes were shaped like Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, and the, the people and the pictures seemed so very happy at Disney World. Why, I had heard if you ever got there, you could dive the depth of 20,000 leagues under the sea. You could be rushed in darkness on Mr. Toad's wild ride and even hear the gunshots and witness the flare of the fire in a pirate's cave or watch long-gone presidents give speeches. Three Sunday night skips a year were not enough to satiate this boy's desire to know more, know more about that magic kingdom. I had one of those little viewfinders. Some of you are old enough to remember that. You put in your Disney disc on a summer day and stare at the sun and click and look at the beautiful pictures. Why, why even the popsicles were shaped like the great mouse himself. You could walk into the future. In the mind of this little boy, there could be no place as grand, at least on earth, as grand as Disney World promised to be. I had to go see it for myself. My father had the bright idea that it would be equally educational if we rode the Amtrak train from South Carolina to Florida. Well, we arrived at the train station only to be told that the train was running just a tad bit behind. In those days, the expected time arrival was manually posted on those number boards. And, well, every 10 minutes, they would add another 10 minutes. You've been in the airport situation like this. It always outdistanced us. We just could not hear the train or get on the train. It was always moving ahead. It was the wait of a lifetime for a little boy. We waited and we waited and we waited some more. We were utterly miserable. Couldn't the conductor understand we needed to get to Disney World? Had the engineer of the train lost his mind? Had they never heard of the great land of the mouse that was just ahead? There was one of God's special people also waiting for that train to Orlando. A little girl whose mind and emotions were running behind her body. She asked her daddy every 30 seconds in a loud, audible, rhythmic pattern, Daddy, is a train here yet? 30 seconds. Daddy, is a train 
here yet? Her childlike mind was asking the same question that we were all trying to ignore. We were trying to entertain ourselves. At least my mother was trying to keep her two little, little boys busy to get their mind off the train. But like dripping water, this special innocent girl asked her father at calculated repetitious intervals, Daddy, is a train here yet? Daddy, is a train here yet? So there we sat in the train station from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock to midnight to 1 o'clock. Keep moving the board 10 minutes, 2 a.m. I can't even remember when we finally boarded, hearing every 30 seconds, Daddy, is a train here yet? Waiting in the Amtrak station is one of those rare moments in life when seconds seem like years and minutes become decades and hours become millennia. Finally, finally at last, in the great distance, we heard the whistle of the train. What a relief I felt when at last the train to the Magic Kingdom pulled into the station. No more waiting, waiting, waiting. Our COVID culture, have you noticed, has created a lot of additional waiting for us these days. In fact, the Wall Street Journal recently published an article entitled, Some Peloton Buyers Are Sick of Waiting. With all the stay-at-home orders in place and the need to exercise, people have turned to Peloton, but Peloton cannot keep pace with manufacturing the exercise equipment and customers are calling in the the consumer lines and griping and moving over to other brands because they have lost their patience waiting on Peloton. Quite frankly, it seems today, no matter what business that one might be in, the conversation when you want something begins like this. Well, now, due to COVID, you heard that recently, due to COVID, due to COVID, we can't get the parts anymore. Whether it's an exercise bike, I was told you can't even get wooden pickets for an ordinary fence or car parts for repair. We are having to get used to waiting in this COVID culture. And think of all the defendants waiting their day in court, just stuck in jail. Because, well, in many places, the COVID crisis has shut down the judicial system. And due to COVID, you will be behind bars until waiting. The psalmist knows about waiting in Psalm 130. Look at verse 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. In his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. In Psalm 130, the psalmist is waiting for the Lord's forgiving love. In the beginning of the psalm, out of the depths of sorrow and sin, he cries to the Lord, Oh God, he pleads, hear my voice. And Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who would be able to stand before you? For there is forgiveness with you, oh God. The psalmist is crying out, out of the depths, out of the depths of despair, and out of the depths of distress, and out of the depths of depression. In verse 5, he's waiting. His soul is waiting. 
It's God's word, he tells us, where he finds his hope. Like a watchman who's signed to stand on the wall and long for the sunrise of the morning, knowing that his shift is over and the city is safe. The sunlight brings the hope that darkness has evaporated and all is well, like the watchman on the wall protecting the city. My soul longs, O Lord. More, more even than the watchman who's on the wall. He looks and waits and yearns for tomorrow. I wait. A lot of us right now can relate to that watchman on the wall who yearns not for yesterday, but for tomorrow, to be assured that everything is okay. Waiting is a hard time, is it not? Waiting for the results of the medical test of biopsy. Surely they'll call today. I had the test today. What time do you think the doctor's office closes anyway? Maybe I'll check my portal one more time, waiting to see if the results of the biopsy have at last been posted. Like in ancient Israel, waiting for the arrival of her Messiah, the psalmist is waiting. My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I bet you too have wrestled with some demons of darkness on your distressed bed, waiting for the sun to rise like that watchman on the wall. The psalmist is waiting, not ordinary waiting, but he's waiting for something large enough that will reshape everything in life. You ever lost electricity? It happened just on Thanksgiving Day in our own city to some people in Sleepy Hollow. On Thanksgiving Day, electricity just shut down. Can you imagine? What if your turkey is already in the oven? It happened at the time you would begin cooking the turkey. You put the turkey in the oven, you preheat the oven, you put the big bird in there, and then the power gets shut off for a couple of hours or more. What do you do at that point? I wouldn't have a clue. Do you toss it out? Can you reheat the old bird? I mean, what do you do with a half-baked bird on Thanksgiving Day because the power is gone? How many times do you think those housewives checked their email or their text to see what the power company had to say about turning the power back on. Have you ever waited? How long will it be? The guests are coming. The birds are all. The preeminent question on ancient Israel mind, how long until the Messiah? How long until the joy of the Messiah arrives? Waiting on the Lord is not like ordinary waiting, is it? It's waiting on that event that absolutely trans transforms everything, changes everything, demands everything, delivers everything. Waiting on the event, the one person, the Messiah moment that creates, creates a possibility that everything at last can be new. Again, waiting. 
As Lutheran pastor John Vennersdahl, once chaplain of Yale University, said, waiting on the Lord is like awaiting for that astonishing news in the morning. That morning discovery that changes everything. Like during the night, even though it can't be found in the forecast, a blizzard dumps 10 inches of snow on the plains of West Texas, and everything is closed that day. No school, no shop, and all of a sudden, you have a gift of the day to do all those things you needed a day to do. And life has to be reoriented because a blizzard has bombarded us. A surprise in the morning, waiting and waiting, waiting for that moment, that thing that changes everything. Maybe it's as big as waiting on something like war, war to start, a war to end. Those can remember the feelings around World War II. Well, you know about the feelings of which I speak. The war itself gathered everybody up and called Americans to be concerned about one another's sons and daughters. And all of a sudden, people were talking with deep compassion to people they didn't even know before. Like waiting for that wartime when lives are changed and whole societies become supportive and nothing much is ever the same again, at least for a time. War over. The troops are headed home. Like waiting for war and for peace, we wait for that Bethlehem baby. Christmas brings it all together, doesn't it? To wait for Christmas is to join the psalmist in waiting on the Lord. Advent is our preparation for the arrival of the Christ child. The Lord of Christmas is the one for whom we wait. We wait for the Lord who was before we ever were. We wait for the Lord who knows the world from its birth and is not intimidated by its great size or its plethora of problems. The God who will not stay away despite the fact that this peopled sphere went wrong from the very beginning, from that first bite of the forbidden fruit to the present day with every act of selfishness, destruction, or hate. More than the watchman on the wall, like that guy assigned to stand here all night and watch and wait for the morning sun. We're on night duty right now, and we wait to see the sunrise. We wait for the Christ of Christmas to arrive. Now turn over to Luke 2 and verse 8. In Luke 2, Luke 2 verse 8, in the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch. There's our watchmen like Psalm 130, watching their flock by night. The flock that was being tended is close to the city of Bethlehem. Perhaps these sheep were headed to Jerusalem to be used for sacrifice in the temple. Darkness had already descended. The shepherds took turns keeping guard over the flock 
by night. Thieves, hungry beasts, both forever lurking in the shadows of the night. As the shepherds watch and wait for the sunlight of the morning, an angel of the Lord suddenly stands before them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they are absolutely terrified. Darkness is instantly defeated by transcendent light. And the first words out of the mouth of the angel are, Fear not which means they were frozen. The shepherds were absolutely frozen with fear. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people everywhere. Don't be frightened. I'm the messenger of good news. The waiting is over. Your journey at last has arrived at joy. And not just for you but for all people everywhere. All of life, isn't it, is captured in that image of waiting through the night, waiting, longing for the morning. The watchman on the wall, standing guard over the city and longing for those first rays of sunshine over the landscape. God's people, ancient Israel, living in darkness and waiting for Messiah's moment to arrive. We're waiting, aren't we? And it won't be long. The Messiah will be born. And though we once joined the people who cry out, how long must we wait? How long until we see the coming of the promised one, the hope of the ages fulfilled? We will at last discover that he is here. The waiting for joy, the waiting for Jesus, the Savior, will be over. Notice what the angel says. For today in the city of Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, the one who saves from all dangers, the one who saves from sin and death. Christ the Lord, meaning the anointed one, the, who, the one of whom the prophets have pointed to, the King, the Messiah, God in the flesh. Good news, great joy. You're an expecting mother. The due date has arrived but the baby has not. And so you wait, and you wonder, is today the day for the delivery? The spare bedroom has been painted, the crib assembled, the thank you cards written, and you wait. You wait the arrival of the baby, the arrival of the baby which changes everything about your life. Israel has been waiting like the expectant mother on the birth of a baby boy that would be unlike any other baby boy who has ever been born, for he would be God's anointed. And later we learn he would be God himself, God putting flesh on. Oh, yeah, the angel said, don't look for trumpets to blare or for this infant to be placed in a palace. No royal robes on this little boy. He'll be wearing hand-me-downs, and you'll find him in a feeding trough. 
You see, when God writes the story, the narrative always takes the strangest turns, doesn't it? And yet Herod will shake in his boots because a baby, a king, a real Jewish king, one of David's actual descendants has been born. Unless we think the angel was alone that evening, suddenly the sky is filled with a heavenly host doing what all creation should do. Praise God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Some of you are waiting today. Every year, this time of year, we begin to lean into Christmas why some kids even count down the days by opening little paper doors and discovering chocolate, waiting, waiting for joy. Some of us have been waiting for this baby to be born because his birth tells us it's okay for the one we love to die, for this baby will die too, and then he will rise again and invite us to journey with him both to the cross and to the glory of the resurrection. And when he, when he gets here, we will know that it's okay, that death, the enemy, has been defeated, and we don't have to be afraid anymore. Some of you wait on this baby because you wait on forgiveness. To know that the deeds done yesterday are forgiven, forgotten. And yes, you can because of this Bethlehem baby actually begin again. Some of us need this baby to come in this COVID Christmas to know that we're going to be okay. There will be joy again at the end of this nightmare called the pandemic. Messiah will come still and journey with us because we cannot do this without him. The days of December are days of expectancy, a time of waiting on the baby, of waiting on joy. So when you're busy cooking the extra confessions, remember, it's because the baby is coming. And when you're busy trimming the tree, stop and remember, it's because the baby is coming. And we're trying to remember what to get grandma who already has everything. Remember, it's because the baby is coming. The baby is going to be born. And when he is born... The wait for joy is over. God, we need you now like never before. We are scared and scarred. We are divided and downcast. We are fearful and forgotten. We are tired and troubled. We feel weak and we worry. We are lonely and loathe another evening alone. We are either shut in or shut out, but on either side of the equation, we cannot exchange that healthy hug that assures us that we are remembered. So you see, God, we're left waiting for the miracle birth, the Messiah. We will not leave our post. No, like the watchman on the wall waiting for the first rays of the sun peeking over the horizon, we long for the first rays and the sounds of Christmas around us. At just the right time, the Messiah will arrive and he will walk beside us. He will multiply the manna. He will turn the water into wine. He will walk on the water. He will call the dead forth from the grave. He will offer forgiveness 
When the mobs are ready to stone us, he will tell us that we can start life all over again. Exercising power over both sin and death, he will invite us to a banquet. He will ask ask us to take a seat at the party that lasts forever. He will call us to obedience. He will call us to humility. He will turn us into grace receivers and grace givers. And on the sandals that we are unworthy to tie, he will walk beside us. He will grow weary with us. He will wash the traveling dust from our feet. He will sit beside us at the well and tell us everything about us because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Finally, he will die with us. Yes, with us and for us so that we might also live forever with him. And on our journey to Emmaus at Easter, beginning with the book of Moses. He will show us how all the prophets have pointed to him. To this very hour when we wait no longer because joy comes in the morning. Is a train here yet? Yes, indeed. I hear the whistle blowing at a distance, good news of great joy. At last, it's headed down the tracks. Let's pray. Oh God, Give us that Bethlehem gift. We need him so. God, we need you to put flesh on again. To be one of us. We need you to show us how to walk, how to live how to die, and through you, how to rise again. God, we find ourselves waiting in this culture like we've never waited before, but the one wait will come to an end, and we will sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Maybe there's some here this morning, oh God, in this broken culture have discovered that they need that Bethlehem baby like never before. And today would be his day or her day to say yes to the Lordship of Jesus in their life. Maybe some realize they can't walk this journey of discipleship alone. They need community. They need church family. However you call us to respond, oh God, may we be obedient. To your call, amen.